Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, I was live at the Virginia Development Academy College ID Camp. Thank you to VDA and Matt Rao. There were 16 college soccer coaches there answering questions from the student-athletes. The campers asked great questions and coaches gave thorough answers that helped clarify the process and what being a college soccer player is all about. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Um, you guys mind introducing yourselves down there? Sure. Graham Miller, Stevenson University. Jermaine Burrell, uh, University of Virginia. Tommy Denuso, Hampton Sydney College. Lucas Paolini, VCU. Brett Teach, Mount St. Mary's. Ian Langstone, University of District of Columbia. Mike Callahan, George Mason University. Justin Carey, EMU. Joey Delastate, Shenandoah University. Chris Higgins, Wilson College. Uh, Fortune Savanda, Bridgewater College. Ozzy Peralta, William Peace University. Josh Hinkle, University of Lynchburg. Justin Preston, Randolph College. Chris Barrett, Radford. Patrick Maylert, American University. All right, so I'll start off the questions, make it easy for you guys. So uh, we have Coach Teach down here. He just went to Mount St. Mary's. And uh, the question is, you just got that job two weeks ago. So what is your recruiting process looking like? Well, right now, and I think most of us are getting used to the transfer portal, so we're kind of looking at it in three different silos. We're looking at it for immediate, what's going to happen for the spring semester, and that's mainly through transfer portal. The second piece is the fall of 24 class. Who can we add in? I think they had signed a few before I got there, and then finally 25, 26 is start to identify and get on the radar. So really kind of looking at three different silos and categorizing it that way not really differentiating between domestic and international, just, okay, who do we need to look at in this class, this class, and this class? That's kind of what we're doing right now. All right. So now we'll open up to the crowd. Uh, who's got the first question? Who's going to step up and be brave? All right, cool. I wanted to ask, what is a typical week of training? Look like? Yeah, so that will, um, it will look different depending on the school you're at. Uh, some schools, I don't know if there are any here, some will train in the mornings. Um, but if I can just answer it as quickly as possible, most teams uh, will get into some sort of routine once the season starts. For Division Three, I'll speak uh, for EMU and uh, the other schools. You've got games on Wednesday, so you train Monday, Tuesday. You train Thursday, Friday, and then you have a game Saturday. Uh, I won't speak for the Division Ones, but I know there's a lot Tuesday, Tuesday games, sometimes Fridays, things like that. Um, but for the most part, Trainings, I think that's what you asked. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, game on Wednesday. You train again Thursday, Friday, play again on the weekend. Um, I don't think most teams are playing more than two games a week. So, and then Sunday is off. You have to have one day off per NCA rules. 
Is it you guys want to do like a D1 coach want to answer that too, please? <clears throat> um, yeah. So same for us. It, it depends a little bit on what uh, what time of year we're in and, and where we are in relation to our games um, in the fall. That's the busiest time of year where we have all our conference games are usually on, on Saturdays. And then we have out of conference games that will usually uh, will fit in in the middle of the week, Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Um, our training schedule, yeah, we're training every day except for one day off, um, as Coach mentioned before, per the NCAA rules. Um, in the spring, um, we have a short period in the beginning of the spring where we can only train for four hours a week with the ball. So we'll supplement that time with um, uh, time in the weight room, a little bit of extra running. Um, and then after that, February through uh, the spring finals, we'll train five days a week. Um, and then we'll have uh, some spring games, five or, or six games in the spring as well. When players who are currently playing at the collegiate level were a junior in high school, where were they at in the college recruitment process, and what did they do to secure a spot on the team? So I, I think that's going to vary. Um, it's going to be case by case by player and certainly by program as well. Um, for us now with the youth soccer scene and, and at Hampton Sydney, we're not looking at internationals. You know, we look at the portal a little bit, but really we're recruiting kids out of high school. Um, it's events like this. Uh, that we go to, it's these ECNL, MLS Next, CCL, whatever events too at these tournaments, um, identifying players from there. Um, and, and then we get rolling with the process a little bit. So I think the guys that are proactive with their search, identifying schools that, that make sense for them, um, you know, not just soccer wise, but academically, um, environmentally, all these different things, um, and identify the schools on the front end. And we hear from them in their junior year it's much easier to go out and watch them because they have genuine interest and then start the process, get them to campus um, in the spring, their junior year, get them back in the fall, um, and then kind of go from there. But I would say a commonality for guys on our roster is they did a good job communicating with us, a good job identifying for us, Hampton Sydney, as a school that made sense for them, not just soccer-wise, but academically too. Um, and then we went from there. So I think it's guys that do their homework, they're proactive and reach out to schools um, and then go from there, get on campuses, and you really start to narrow down your cert. Um, All right, we got another question. Um, uh, what would you guys call a complete player that you'd be looking at? All right, so um, for us, if we're, if we're watching, say, yourself playing, um, first observation, if you're in this environment, is just sort of how you carry yourself. So what you're doing in the warm-up, how you're interacting with your teammates, sort of um, watch and observe that a little bit more. And then once you get into the play, um, are you a competitor? Like, are you giving your 110%? What's your body language like? Some things like that as a, as a, as a player itself. Um, if we start to get you know, to know you a little bit more and say you come on campus and it's just getting to know you, what you do off the field a little bit more, um, family, um, brothers and sisters, trying to connect to you as a person, how you would connect to our program and sort of our culture and if you would fit into that as an individual and a student athlete. Um, and then obviously extracurricular stuff you do alongside your grades, um, anything you do and interests and things like that. And it all connects back to sort of our, our culture as a, um, as a team and um, as a program, if that makes sense. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is just want to see, really want to see competitiveness. Um, even at an ID clinic like this, when you're playing 6v6 with bumpers or whatever, I want to see guys keep score, want to see guys compete, want to be winners. You know, you guys, what a great day for soccer, right? Unbelievable day today.
So as well as just kind of going through the motions of whatever the drill is, enjoy it, compete, want to win, show some passion. And that's what I'm looking for. Because I know a lot of these showcases now, you're just playing one game each day. You know, you want to go for it. So as well as all the things Ian was talking about, want to see guys compete and show some passion, want to win. What are some of the qualities that you look for in a center back? Well, it really just depends on each program, what you look for. Obviously, you got to be able to defend. And now how, um, how football is moving in terms of just the recent, like you have to be able to play out of the back. It also depends, does that program or coach value that? Because if you don't, right, well, sorry, let me backtrack, right? A lot of this process for you guys, you guys got to be able to know the programs that you're reaching out to and how they play and if it's a great fit for yourself. Because if you guys don't watch college soccer and you don't know what you're getting yourself into, then you're already behind the process, right? How George Mason plays, how Virginia plays is different from maybe how Hampton Sydney plays, how all these other schools play. So that's one thing that you guys need to really invest and watch games, go to games, try and picture yourself in those moments. But in terms of center backs, at least for the Virginia side, um, obviously we look for the athletic profile. If you're a big and athletic, because a lot of the attackers in the ACC are big and athletic, and we got to have you run and chase those guys down. Um, obviously, you got to have quality on the ball. Being able to build out of the back is something that's kind of big for us. Um, but yeah, just like kind of like a generalized idea. We just want um, good athletes that can play soccer, really. When you're looking for a goalkeeper, what attribute do you think would be like the most important to you that they do well in? And keep the ball out of the net. Number one. So keep the ball out of the net is number one, obviously, but uh, we look for safe hands. We don't want to give up rebounds uh, at the Division three level. Everything's they're, they're pushing, they're crashing the box every chance they get. Uh, if you're giving up rebounds, you're dropping the ball in front of you. Uh, there's going to be a lot of mistakes that happen. Um, and then the other big one's confidence. We want to know that you have confidence. Uh, confidence goes through the rest of your team, your backs. Uh, if they know you're confident behind them, they're going to they're gonna know you have your, their backs uh, and make sure that you don't make any of those silly kind of mistakes. Uh, we just want goalkeepers that make the save they should make, right? Keep the ball out of the net when you should keep the ball out of the net. Uh, when you have an opportunity to make a big save, can you make it? But those little ones, you shouldn't be letting balls go through your legs near post. Uh, the easy ones that you should save, you have to. Another thing is distribution. Uh, it depends what team you play for and what system and what philosophy that team plays. If you guys want to play from the back, then you have to be good with your feet and your distribution has to be good. You know the, the fall season can be very heavy and uh, the injuries vary and uh, how do they impact you guys' uh, teams and rosters? So I, I think it depends on who the injury is to. Um, like Coach said before, it depends on the roster size you carry. You want to carry those because of injuries. Um, I know for us, we carried 34 with four goalkeepers. And I think at one point we were at 24 field players just due to injuries and stuff like that. Sometimes it uh, depends on the schedule. You are playing tough games midweek um, and tough games on the weekend as well uh, once you get into conference play. So it's sometimes a really rigorous schedule where uh, training, sometimes we just sit guys and have them rest, especially when you have the Monday, Tuesday trainings and play on Wednesday. Sometimes that Thursday is a recovery day. Um but at the college level, a lot of times you see whether it's like just tweaks and stuff like that and you just don't want to make them worse. 
So you just let them rehab properly and then you kind of go from there. But uh, I think that's why you carry a roster that's deep because when one gets injured, someone's got to step in to do the job uh, and do hopefully the same job that they do. But um, if you're at, if you're fit, like you're supposed to be and stuff like that, we shouldn't be seeing a lot of those like muscle injuries, but those happen. Uh, and, and sometimes you can't avoid those injuries. So you just have to kind of, depending on how long the trainer tells you, because that's who we're listening to, uh, and just work with them and start working them back in. Uh, I know for us, we lost our starting outside back first game of the season, and he didn't come back until midway through conference play. And so we had to have someone step in there into those roles. And so you get opportunities off of that sometimes, unfortunately, for the guy that gets hurt. But um, you just got to make the most of your opportunity there. And then if you're trying to work back in, we'll work you back in as quick as possible. But Sometimes the trainer tries, if the trainer pushes you, then you have to meet the trainer halfway and push yourself just as hard to get back. What's the most important non-physical trait in a player? Yeah, I think it's mentality. So how, how well do you show up to training? What do you do before training? And it goes back to the injury piece. It's the ownership side of, are you taking care of your body before training? Are you taking care of your body after training? Are you eating well? Are you getting your sleep in? Because that's what gets your level up from year to year to year. And, and honestly, all of us coaches want to see that. Where you come in as a freshman, to where you leave as a senior is just a completely different player. Uh, and half that's on us, but the other half is on you as well. And so I think the mentality of just getting better each day, all the resources are there for you. There's always a ball bag. There's always goals. There's always guys that want to go out and train. And so that's the great thing about college is no matter where you are, there's always someone next to you in your dorm that wants to go out and train. And so I think that's the biggest thing is the mentality of how well do you get better yourself and then inside of the system that we provide. Uh yeah, just to piggyback that on, on that uh, mentality, it's uh, like we, we, we were, when we're watching out there, it's like, yeah, you can see like a very good player, like very talented. I think everybody has like eyes on that, but it's, it's like how he deals with adversity at times, how he do, what are his responses? Like uh, if he loses the ball, uh, is he repressing? Or if his teammate loses the ball, is, is he working hard to win it back? Or is he kind of like palms up? Is he like pointing the finger? Right. Is that guy like team first? Is that a guy you want to like fight with on your team? Uh, you know, go to war with, you know. Uh, so so a lot of his like responses, uh, how hard is he tracking back? OK, again, it comes down to mentality. He has all the talent in the world on the ball or, or when things are going right. But when it's a, a tough game and it's not maybe the beautiful game, how else is he uh, having an impact on the game? What are the ratios like between international and U.S. Uh, grown players you guys recruit? It just depends. Um, depends on what program you're at, which level. For us, we look at all over the world for who we, who we want, right? We try and pick the best players that we think uh, can be there. So it, it just depends. International, domestic, it doesn't matter for us. Um, but for like Tommy said, for his team, he doesn't look for really internationals. So it really just depends on what school you're looking at. Um, it really just varies. So it's not like a, I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer for that. Like it just really depends on every program, every coach. They have their own niches. They want to have more internationals because they're a little bit older or they want to go straightly with just domestic American kids. Um, it just kind of depends on that program. And that's part of your guys' jobs to do that research, to really know what you're getting yourself into. Is it realistic? Uh, this coach is bringing in a bunch of internationals. All right, maybe this is not the school for me. Maybe I got to go to this other place. So you got to really gotta do your homework and look at the rosters, look at what they're bringing in constantly, and really just do your own homework on which programs you're trying to like, reach out. When players are reaching out, what are like the main things you look for in an email? Uh, I'd say first, like make sure you know who you're emailing. 
and I and that one's I took this one because it's fresh. Uh, I got the same email from one kid. One was a follow-up, so he read it twice. Um, and it was the wrong school. Like, each time was the wrong school. And so um, I emailed him back and said, hey, like, just check who you're emailing. Uh, and I think all of us have gotten either the wrong coach um, and, you know, whether it's a blanket email that you CC everyone, like, on it and we can see that. Uh, that's probably not the greatest look for you. Uh, so I just make sure you're someone at least checks it, have someone check it, whether it's your parents, whether it's your club coach, whether it's a college recruiter, a coordinator at the club, whatever it is, just make sure you check that. But yourself, uh, know who you're emailing, because then that lets us know that you really have no interest and you just want to email every coach at the camp to showcase whatever it is uh, to just try to get eyes on yourself, which I understand that part, but like you have to do a little bit of work in the process and it can't be just I'm going to send this out because it's easy uh, like we have to know like coach said earlier like you're interested in us and you have to do a little bit of research so I'd say don't get lazy in those because it's easy just to sit at your computer copy every single coach's email off of like the college's attendant and then paste it and then just think that that's done uh, like you, you got to proofread things like that uh, and, and make sure that you're doing your homework uh, but yeah like it's just correctness and who you're emailing and and stuff like that because it's a bad look for you and it, you're probably like minus five in the coach's mind as soon as he sees that it's the wrong coach or the wrong school or something like that yeah just the <clears throat> the most important things you know your graduating class your position what club what team within that club um and your your gpa right those are the the most important things um like the coach was saying over over there make sure you proofread it you're not sending uh <clears throat> we're one of the george schools so we get a lot of like hey i'm really interested in georgetown um or hey i'm really interested in george washington you know but make sure uh you guys are proofreading those um and then of course a little a little highlight tape is is really important you need two to three minutes just of your best stuff just to see exactly the kind of player you are we don't need 10 minutes we don't need 15 minutes two to three minutes of of exactly your best stuff don't hide it at the end of the highlight reel either you know put it right in the beginning so that as soon as we click on it we see you know this makes you who you are uh, the player that you are and this is the uh the best things that you do on the field all i would add is that uh whenever i get emails from kids and they say they're interested in hampton sydney i always respond and ask why so i just want to know a real reason and it can't just be that i know you have a soccer program and you're going to be at the ecnl showcase in south carolina this weekend give me a real reason um, it's because you want to major in business and we have a strong program. It's because you know someone on our team. It's because whatever. But I want, I want to know genuinely why you're interested. Um, and if I don't get a response back, we just delete your email and we're not worried about you anymore. Um, so it's a good differentiator. We want guys that are actually genuinely interested and it you know, makes the process way more efficient for all of us instead of just emailing every single school that's here today. Um, email schools that you have an interest in and you've already done your homework. Um, and again, it just streamlines the process a little bit for all of us. Um, I would like to ask, uh, what should a fullback adopt into their game? I would try to keep it as simple as I can. Defenders defend, goalkeepers make sure the ball doesn't go in the net. Midfielders bring the ball up, forward score goals. I think sometimes at younger ages now, the more soccer is available, the more you see. Sometimes we try to complicate things way, way too much. And I can, I can tell by the questions a little bit of what are you looking for in a midfielder, what are you looking for in a goalkeeper. I think it's a little more simple than that. You know, fullback needs to be able to defend too. As a defender, if you can't defend 1v1 in small and big spaces for us, it'd be very difficult to play. We also at VCU very 
really value the ball. So at times the fullbacks become almost, almost midfielders. Uh, but it all comes back to the simple of as a defender, you need to be able to defend. As simple as that. Um, for those midweek those midweek games, um, how far are you guys often traveling? Because I know the schedule could be hectic as a college student. Again, it just depends on the school. Best way to look at that stuff is just go on the website and look at the uh, where everybody's playing and the schedule for each of the schools. It looks very different across the board here. For us, VCU, um, we travel all over the place. We went to we had five flights this fall. Um, and, and everything in between too. Bus rides from 40 minutes or an hour to George Mason to you know six, seven hours are, are normal for us. So all over the place. But we'll go play we'll go play anywhere. Uh, what would a day in the life of a player look like in the off season? And I think it I think it goes back to what we're talking about, Elliot. Every program and, and then every division is gonna be a little different. Uh, division three, just as an example, being a division three coach. Um, our off season now in the spring just got changed where so before we were only allowed 15 practices and one game over a five-week consecutive weeks. We now can have 24. Um, it doesn't have to be consecutive weeks. So now for us as Division Three coaches, before we might not have been able to see our players on the field until late March, April. Um, whereas Division One, Division Two, they were able to see their players kind of right away when they come back. Um, so for us, Division Three program, we're in the weight room three times a week in the off-season. And then we're also now, with this new setup, we can now at least do one or two practices a week uh, throughout the spring, which is good because now we can see it. We'd like more games at Division Three. I think Division One has five games in the, Division Two as well. Division One and Division Two, as well as their practices, they also get five games in the, in the spring semester. And I think most, most of them will be like that. College games, very physical. So the strength and conditioning piece is, is really important as well as all the studying and making sure they get good grades to stay eligible and go on to great careers. Um, I was just wondering how like extra training works like off from the team or like with a couple friends from the team like is that a possibility like can you do you have the space like the field space to uh, practice on the side at your school. And I'll pass it on in a minute but I just wanted to say I think one of the coaches already said it uh, the, the resources are there right every college you get bags of balls you've got fields You've got weight rooms. You've got maybe a gym you can use for indoor, for futsal. Most most programs are doing that. So it's up to the players, right? If they want to be the best and they want to get to the NCAAs or reach the highest pinnacle of their college career, go and do it. You should be, you should be self-disciplined where you want to play year-round. Same thing goes for the summer. Same thing goes for the winter. We want them playing. All I was going to say is, so you're a goalkeeper, right? So, yeah, so keepers do extra stuff more than anybody else. Is that fair? or it should be like that. Um, so it's totally case by case. And I think uh, it's something, if you're a keeper, you ask that in the process. Um, and then every school's resources are different. We have a grass field that we share with nobody. So it is available at all times for our guys to train. Uh, we got three coaches on our staff that are always available to go train during the season. So our keepers go up 45 minutes early every single day during the season. And in the spring, tons of individual sessions too, but that's not the case everywhere because you might share a turf field with eight other programs. So keepers can't just go up there whenever they want. So particularly for keepers, I would ask that question on the front end of the process, how it works. Um, and then same deal. I think a lot of places have a culture of a lot of individual training sessions for guys or small group training, particularly during the season, um, but not every place has that. So if that's important to you, these are good questions to ask um, at the beginning of your process and, and how that works. And ask the players in the program as well. Are guys going and doing things on their own or is everyone just 
sitting in their dorm room until training time at four. So I think good questions to ask when you're on these visits. A lot of people um, say like like college soccer is very physically demanding and athletically demanding. Is there a significant jump from club soccer to college soccer that you see in your uh, in your players? Um, yeah, it's it's a really big jump. I, I would say the biggest thing is the the speed of play and the pressure on the ball. Um, you know, athletically, of course, you're gonna you're gonna go in and you're gonna be competing against bigger, faster, stronger players than you ever have in in your life. Um, but what that translates onto the field is is less time and space. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, for us, we we're always looking for players who can adapt to that, who can deal with um, less time and space, who can play at a higher tempo, um, because that's that's the biggest the biggest thing that, or the biggest jump I would say when you go up from from your youth career career into college um and i would i would add on that guys like when you're in your training sessions with your club teams you need to push each other to get pressure on the ball to try to prepare uh, prepare yourselves for the next level because um, it it comes fast um and uh you know the best way you can start preparing is is doing it in your training sessions over and over again uh how common is it for a freshman to come into your school and get good minutes and i think that's situational um the school i did work at for the last 14 years at VCU, it was very difficult for first-year guys to play out. We've had some. Well, a guy from here, VDA, Andreas, he's started since he's been there, basically. Um, I think he started, what, the fifth game of his career, and he's been in every game since. And other guys take a year or two or three to play. I think it really depends on how prepared you are. And I think to answer a little bit with the last question, the jump, I think my boss, my old boss, said this really well. Youth players feel like it's just the next step. It's really the step below MLS and USL. And that's more how you have to think of it. You can't think of it as I'm going from academy um, to, you know, to Division One or Division Two or Division Three. It's it's not that. It's the next step. Not really. It's actually five steps, and it's the step below MLS or it's a step below USL Championship, Loudon here or something, or a step below USL One. So I think you really have to think of it that way if you want to really be prepared to play that. I'd say just to go back to the the freshman piece and that question, um, one just piece of advice I have for you if that's important to you playing in your freshman year um, like coach teach was just saying he was at VCU for a long time the program was very established very successful so like you said hard to play uh, maybe from the beginning I took over a job just a year and a half ago where the program wasn't very successful and so needed to rebuild if you will so I think in my first year we had five or six freshmen starting because yeah, we needed more quality. We needed better players, better people to come in and help turn the program around. So, you know, if that's something important to you, I would pay attention to coaching changes and things like that. If a coach comes into a new program, he wants to put his own stamp on it, there's a good chance that uh, there's going to be a lot of transition at that period and, and that point in the program's lifeline, if you will. So, yeah, he might bring in his own players and try and give them uh, the benefit of the doubt potentially there. So. That's just another thing to, to pay attention to. Okay, for us, uh, if you're good enough, you're going to play. If we think you are ready to help us win games, you're going to play. But you have to be ready, guys. And uh, you have to start working right now. Don't wait until you get to college. Start working right now. You know the college game is physical. You know the college game is a little bit quicker. So you got to start working right now when you're a junior, when you're a senior. So that when you get there, you're already ready. You're already strong physically and you're already quick. But if you're good enough, you're going to play. If you're ready to play, you're going to play.
Yeah, just to kind of um, piggyback on that, um, if you're good enough, you're going to play, right? It's a business and on our end. We get our jobs line is based on winning and getting you guys to graduate. So if we're not winning, if we're not performing, then we can potentially lose our own jobs. So if you're good enough, you're going to see the field. We had a couple of first years that played. Uh, a kid named by Stephen Anor scored 10 goals for us, and he was good enough. He got a GA contract. He's gonna go pro, so it really just depends. Like you may come to school and not play any minutes, and you have to be okay with that, or realize is that level is is playing important to you? Then you gotta uh, meet, go to a school that allows you to play. If not, then you may never get to play. Um, the transfer portal is a crazy thing out there, so it's really important for you guys to understand. And really, like, look internally and, and, like, how good am I? Is this level attainable? Is it realistic? Because there's plenty of good players that are on rosters. You don't play. Then you go on the portal. If you don't play on the portal, are, are coaches going to really want to look at you? Maybe. It may not be the same level that you just went at. It might be a level lower or a Division One. If, you, if you're a Division One school and you look to transfer and you don't play, might go to a mid-major you might go to d2 d3 so it's really important in this process guys that you guys really do your research and really look at what schools are the right fit for me academically um playing wise am i going to get a chance to play is it close to home does it have the academics that i want is it a big enough school is it a city school is it a commuter school a lot of things for you guys to process but it's really important because at the end of the day you guys are on the soccer field for maybe two three hours a day. You got 21 hours on campus. You got to make sure that you're in the right situation, that you're going to be happy with the community because you're not just going to the team, you're going into another community. All right, so that's one thing that it's really important for you guys to also realize it's more than just soccer, right? It's the next step in your life to being an adult. The other way to look at it is you're playing with and against players that have been at that school maybe for four or five years. So if you are 18 coming into the team right now, you'll be competing with and against 22, 23-year-old players. Imagine how you guys were four years ago or five years ago. Would you be able to, would a player from that age compete with you guys right now? And if the answer is no, or it's, it's not close, that's probably what it's going to look like for your next step for you to compete against players that have been there for three or four years. I mean, we've got a 21-year-old freshman that has played in front of 40, 50,000 people a few times already. And those are the people that you guys are competing with. So that's another way to, to think about that. Also, just like many of these other questions, I think in the process, ask. Ask these questions. Like, ask what your role could be if you come to whatever school you're interested in. Um, I think that has to happen. And then decide what you're okay with. Again, like, I went through the process myself, and Division One schools were telling me, you can come here, but you're a roster guy. I don't know what kind of role you're going to have. And then I went to D3 school, Mary Washington, and they were saying, if you come here, you can compete to start right away. Uh, and that was so much better for me. And that's what I did. And I'm glad that I did. So decide what works for you um, and what's going to be the best fit for your personality um, and go from there. But ask these questions on the front end so you don't show up um, at a D1 school and you're the 47th guy on the JV roster. Um, that's not going to be what you want. So again, do your homework and be upfront and asking these questions early on and then decide what you want ultimately. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. 
These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.